Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. But I want to talk to you and as Pastor said, I had a 10-year drug addiction. I was mentally ill. I was hearing voices. The television would speak to me. I was suicidal. Uh, But God intervened. And one encounter in the presence of God changed everything. And I love that what took the devil 23 years of his downward, destructive, demonic cycle just took God one word. One word, one moment is all it takes in the presence of God. And, and, and you know, maybe you weren't here this morning. I want to tell you tonight, I'm not believing to just do an, a normal church night, but I'm believing that every single person in this room could have their own personal encounter with Jesus Christ. That you would go home from tonight saying, you know what, I didn't just hear a message, but I encountered the person of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And and I'm believing that if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, tonight is the night that you're going to get totally set free in the name of Jesus. If you've got uh, a physical condition in your body that needs to be healed, tonight is the night. If, If you're struggling with an addiction, I'm declaring tonight is the night that it finishes in this place, that you will have your testimony of what God did in this place tonight. And I want to talk about the presence of God. And, and when, it, when we talk about the presence of God, uh, there's only one presence, in a sense. There's only one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But there's only one presence of God, one Holy Spirit. But the presence of God comes in two forms. There is the omnipresence. Okay, And what that means, the omnipresence, it means that God is everywhere at the same time. There's nowhere that I could go that God isn't. There's no sin, as gross as it might be, that I could get involved in that would cause God to not be there because He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. When God says to David, I will never leave you nor forsake you, the reason he can say it is because he is everywhere at the, at the same time. David said, even if I went into the depths of the earth, you'd still be there. He is omnipresence. And the reality is, as Christians, 99% of our lives is dealing with the omnipresence of God. I don't wake up in the morning and float out of bed in the presence of God. I wake up with bad breath, normally a headache, sometimes a touch grumpy, And I have to hop out of bed. I can't feel one little bit of God. But by faith, I have to believe that God is with me. God is for me. That he's on my side. The reality is 99% of our life is dealing with the omnipresence. You can't see him. You can't feel him. You just trust that he's there. But then the other form of the presence, God's the same presence, but manifests in two different ways. There's the omnipresence, which you can't really feel or see. But then occasionally there is the manifest presence of God, which is simply the same presence that was already there, but now it manifests itself. And when David said, taste and see that the Lord is good, he was talking about the manifest presence of God. You know, the scripture in James 4, 6, it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Well, hang on, that's confusing because you said before that you'd never leave me nor forsake me. And now you're saying, I have to draw near to you, and you'll draw near to me. So hang on, are you with me or you're not? Two different scriptures talking about two different forms of the same presence. 
When he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, he means the omnipresence. But when he's saying, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, he's talking about the manifest presence of God. In other words, if you get hungry and draw near to me, I'll reveal my presence and you'll taste and see that the Lord is good. If people were to say to me, well, how could have you overcome this 10-year addiction? I mean, hearing voices, you were, you were out there. How do you now live this sort of normal life? Ask my wife. She wouldn't think I'm that normal. And, and preach all over the world. And what I would say to you, the number one thing is because I had so many radical encounters with the Holy Spirit. See, when you were as bad as I was, good sermons at church were not going to be enough for me. I needed to encounter the person of the Holy Spirit. I needed some miracles to take place in my heart and my mind. I remember one occasion, one crazy encounter I had with God. I was only maybe being a Christian a year, year and a half. And at the church that I went to on the Gold Coast, when people would give their lives to Jesus at the end of the service, we would take them to this upstairs room where we would pray for them. And so I was still a relatively new Christian, and a young lady and a young man, both about 23, they didn't know each other. They'd both recommitted their lives to Christ. And for some reason, the pastor's wife, she said to me, Lucas, will you come upstairs and pray for this, these two people? Uh, pray for them to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, well, I've seen it done in Connect Group. I'll give it a go. And so I go upstairs and she leads them in the prayer of both of them giving their lives back to Christ. And then I'm about to pray for this young man. They don't know each other. He's 23. I'm about to pray that he'd get filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been in church a little while, maybe you've seen someone fall down in the power of God. And so, but maybe you've seen what I call a CD, which is a courtesy drop. Okay? So, 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 so out of courtesy... You fall over, someone's behind you, have a little lay down on the carpet, makes the preacher feel powerful and anointed. Or if you're old school and you've been around quite a while, like grandma, no, no. <laughs> hey, I was getting him back because you paid him out. Anyone else? You don't, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. Anyone? No, no, no. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm sorry. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Or, or maybe if you're old school, then you've seen not just the CD, but the PO, the pushover in Jesus' name. <laughs> and, and so when you get prayed for, someone says something really loud. It's like, it's like I don't know if he pushed me. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and so I was about to pray for this young man. There was no keyboard in the background. There was no catcher standing behind him. And I had never really done this much before, just a little bit in connect group. And I walk over and I, I, I say to him, I just touch his head just like, just like that, just touch it. And all I do is I say, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill this young man in the name of Jesus. And I just touch him and he, he doesn't go backwards, he doesn't go forwards, he literally goes, <coughs> and like on the ground. I promise you it looked like God went, <coughs> and like knocked him out. I was like, oh my God, look. I fully took steps back. He is on the ground like a sack of potatoes. He is weeping in the presence of God. I now just look towards this young lady that's about to be prayed for next. And when she sees me look at her, she goes, ah, and she starts crying as well. 
I think she thought God was going to punch her as well. She's like, I'm going down before he can get me. And in this moment, it was just a moment where I recognized that this was not the omnipresence, but this was the manifest presence of God had filled the room. And as a younger Christian, a year or so saved, I remember as they both wept in the presence, I moved sort of in this office behind the couches and I got on my hands and knees. And the only words that could come out of my mouth was, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And as I began to thank him, This has only ever happened to me once before, but I literally began to feel fire burn throughout my entire body. I felt a heat that literally consumed me. I was in an air-conditioned office. The the, the air conditioner was on high. It was cool, the room, but, but the heat was so intense that as I was on my hands and knees just saying, thank you, God, thank you, God, I was watching sweat drop off the end of my nose at this exact rate, burning in the presence of God. See, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit would come and baptize you with fire. And I remember it went for about 20 minutes or so, and eventually this random guy walks into the office because it was just the four of us in there, and he just walks in the office and he goes, the fire of God's in here, and then he walked out. And I remember afterwards, we were having supper after church with some of the young adults, back when I was a young adult. Um, and, and I was with this, this, this girl, she was brand new to church, she'd been in church about four weeks. I'm actually best friends with her husband today, so we're good friends with her as well. But this was, she'd just come to church, this was probably 15 years ago. And, and, and I was telling my story at supper, and as a brand new Christian, she was like, man, like seriously, what's the deal with that? And it was cool because I got a word of wisdom. And what that means is I told her the answer, but I found out the answer the same time I was telling her the answer, but I got to pretend that I knew what the answer was. (laughs) Word of wisdom. And these words just came out of my mouth. And I said to her, I said, I feel like God just did something in me in 20 minutes that should have taken 6 to 12 months. See, I want to tell you when you get hungry for God, An encounter in his presence will catapult you into your destiny. It'll throw you into your destiny. God just wants some people that would get so hungry for his presence that they would push all of the other stuff to the side and say, God, what I want most is you. And I want to just share about an encounter in the Bible. I want to give you four sort of observations. Uh, The first two are why we need occasional God encounters. Because the reality is, remember, 95%, 99%, we, we deal in the omnipresence. We live by faith. That's where we're called to live. But you do need occasional God encounters. That's why you need to be on young adult camp. If you're a young adult and you're not going to young adult camp, I don't know what's going on. Go to young adult camp. Anyway, all right. Verse, oh, I forgot to give you my scriptures. That was silly, wasn't it? We might have to go old school and just get our Bibles out. Imagine that. So get your Bibles out, or you could just listen to me. Exodus, Exodus, we're looking at Exodus 33, and it's a story in the Bible. It's a story in the Bible where Moses has this conversation with God. Let me just tell you what's going on. And he says to God, he says, God, if you don't go with us, then I'm not going. Because if you're not with us, how would we be any different to everybody else? What else would distinguish us? 
And then God says, I will go with you. And Moses prays this prayer. And it's the title of this message that I'm preaching tonight. He says, now show me your glory. And then God says, well, Moses, you can't see my face and live. It was because it's the Old Testament and sinful man could never see the fullness of God. He says, you can't see my face and live. He says, well, the only way is you better go and stand on that rock. And while you stand on that rock, oh, my goodness will pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name. And Moses has a radical encounter that is so full on that when he comes down off the mountain, they have to put a veil over his face because his face is shining in such a radical way. I'm going to give you two observations of why we need these occasional encounters. And then I want to give you two quick keys on how we encounter. And then we're actually going to do it. We're going to worship. And I believe people are going to experience the power and presence of God. Can I get an amen? amen? The first thing is in verse 15 and 16. Let me read it of chapters 33. And it says this. It says, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people... And I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. The NIV translation, I've actually just changed Bibles just this week, but this is the New King James. The NIV says, how would we be distinguished? What would distinguish us from everybody else? See, the first thing why you need these occasional God encounters is because, number one, it distinguishes you from everybody else. See, the, the, the tangible presence of God on your life is the X factor. It's the thing that makes you look different. See, when I preach, I don't want you to see Lucas Connell. I want you to see the presence of God the Father. I want you to see His grace. I don't want you to see my sinful, selfish nature. I want you to see the goodness of God. I want my face to shine with His glory. I remember when I was a youth pastor, this young lady came to our youth group. And this young lady, she would have been about 22 or so, and she had been beaten up by life. She had been bullied at school. Her dad left when she was a little girl. Her mom spoke very harshly to her. Her sisters picked on her. And when she came, she didn't have natural, beautiful features. But, but more than that, there was an ugliness about her that actually came from the inside because of how, how harsh life had been toward her. She almost repelled in a sense. She came to our youth group for the first time and she sort of repelled you so much. She was just so hard to talk to that you could normally do about 30 to 60 seconds with her and then it would get so incredibly awkward. And so what we did in our youth team is we would tag team. Do you know what I mean? So we'd all do about the 60 seconds and then someone else would jump in and do 60 seconds and we did our best to love on this girl that was very awkward, a bit of a prickly pear. She just kept coming back for about six weeks and after six weeks, I spoke this message about the love of the Father and how much a heavenly dad loved her. And it was one of those nights where she came to the altar and everybody else had long gone from the altar playing table tennis and basketball and she was still at the altar weeping in the presence of God. She got so overwhelmed by his love and, and we're praying for her and she's just weeping and snot is going from side to side and you're going to stand and pray like that. <laughs> Hey, I'm prepared to pay a price, but not that price. <laughs> and she just radically got messed up. After we'd gone off to pray, she was still just weeping at the altar for a good probably hour. 
The next week we're at youth group and this new young lady came to our youth group and I signaled to two of our girl leaders. I said, hey, go and make sure the new girl knows some people. And they ran over to this new girl. This is a true story. And they ran over to this girl and they talked to her and they came running back to me with excitement. And I said, Lucas, that's not a new girl. That's the girl. And I promise you, she didn't have, you know, beautiful natural features. What I mean by that, she wasn't going to be on some kind of magazine. But now there was a radiance that shone out of this girl that made her so beautiful. There was a beauty that radiated of her because she had been in his presence. See, we need to have these occasional encounters because the reality is all of us have a sinful nature. I need to get in His presence so that the world, so that your workmates, so that your college friends, they see Him on you rather than you. It distinguishes us from everybody else. The second thing, reason why we need these occasional encounters, and I, my, I probably like this one the most, is verse 19. It says this, then he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. This point, in a sense, I believe it's my theology for what happens when you encounter the presence of God. See, because some people think encountering his presence is just about getting a nice feeling. I had goosebumps on my goosebumps. I want to tell you that encountering his presence is not about goosebumps. It's about lasting transformation. I actually don't care whether or not you fall down. I care about how you get up. Because I've seen a lot of people fall down but stay the same. What I care about, whether I'll determine whether it was a real encounter, is how different is your life because of the encounter. Because you can't get in His presence and stay the same. I love this. Number two, the reason why we need these occasional encounters is because it's full of His goodness And he proclaims his name. When you encounter his presence, the feeling you get is it's his goodness. You feel his goodness. But you don't just feel his goodness. If you want the full benefit of the encounter, you quiet your spirit to listen to the name that he is proclaiming. Let me explain. Growing up, my parents got divorced, which is a common thing today, but it affected me as a young boy. Caused me to have insecurities, to feel rejection in my life. And then when I became a Christian, in a moment I was instantly healed of my addictions, but so many of my insecurities and feeling rejected were still on the inside. And I would constantly, every few months, I'd have these radical encounters. And every time I'd have these radical encounters, what I would feel was His love, His goodness. And every time I felt it, tears would flow down my cheek. But the thing that made the encounter radical and lasting is because I didn't just feel his goodness, that love, that that peace, but I heard his voice. And he would say the same things every time. Lucas, I'm your father. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lucas, I love you just the way that you are. See, the thing is, it's when we feel his goodness, but he proclaims his name. See, what happens is we all have junk. But when you feel his goodness, his presence, it starts to disintegrate the junk. Whether it's sickness or anxiety or depression or hopelessness or some kind of addiction, his goodness starts to disintegrate the junk that's on the inside. But then the awesome thing is in that moment that keeps the lasting transformation is he proclaims his name. But see, the good news is he is a God, the Bible says he has thousands of names. 
So whatever your junk is, he has a name that he wants to proclaim over that junk. If it's addiction, his name is freedom. If it is anxiety, his name is peace. If it is sickness, his name is healer. See, it's not just about feeling his goodness, but it's about listening for the name that he's proclaiming over your situation and who you are. I remember praying for a girl in a young adult camp in Perth. And this girl had a a very embarrassing problem with her bladder. She was a young adult. The doctors had told her this would always just be an embarrassing problem that she would have to deal with. I remember I prayed for her and she fell over. I don't know if it was a CD, but it definitely wasn't a PO. (laughs) But she ended up on the floor laying in the presence of God. and She felt his goodness. And he spoke to her. He said, get up, you've been healed. From that moment, what the doctors had always told her was impossible became a reality in that moment. Because she felt his goodness, but he proclaimed his name over the situation. On the same camp, another young boy that had battled with drug addiction for 10 years, radically encountered God. And God spoke and said, you're now free. That boy, it's been maybe six, seven years before that camp, he's still free in the name of Jesus. Because he encountered his goodness, but then he heard him proclaim his name. See, I don't know what name you need to hear him proclaim over your situation. But whatever your struggle is, I want to tell you there's a name that he wants to proclaim that will bring freedom and healing. Let me quickly give you two things and then we're going to pray. Two, two things, are just keys to encounter, have your own personal encounter. The first one is found in verse 20 to 22. It says this, But he said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, Here is a place by me. You shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Two simple keys to encountering his presence. The first one is this, is if you're going to, encounter his presence you need to stand on the rock you see in that particular day it was impossible for man to ever see the fullness of God but I don't know about you but when we have a particular night like we're about to have where people are going to encounter the Holy Spirit if I'm the one sitting in the crowd my default setting starts to disqualify myself of why I won't be the one to have an encounter I start thinking of every sin that I've messed up with, every mistake that I've made. I start thinking I haven't prayed enough. I didn't fast with the rest of the group. I start looking over there and I see Sister Spiro and I'm like, she'll have an encounter. She always gets prophesied over. (laughs) And my default setting begins to disqualify myself from having an encounter. I, need, I really felt I need to press this because some people need to hear, hear this. The reality is every person in the room, the ones that fasted and the ones that didn't, every person in the room is disqualified because all of us have a sinful nature that disqualifies us from being able to encounter His presence. And the only thing that qualifies any person in this room is if you are standing on the rock. In other words, the rock is Jesus Christ. If you're standing on what He says about you, it's the only thing that qualifies you. See, in other words, I stand on the rock when the devil tries to whisper, but what about that thing you did? What about how you haven't done that enough? And I, and I have to make a decision to stand and say, I'm going to stand on what Christ says about me. He says I'm the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He says I'm worthy to encounter the presence of God. See, the thing in this particular text, God didn't pick Moses up and put him on the rock. 
He said, Moses, you have to go and stand on the rock. See, some of you need to stop listening to the condemning words of the enemy that are disqualifying you and make a decision. You know, there's a scripture that says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That every word spoken against you shall come to nothing. And it goes on to say, because I have given you my righteousness. That doesn't just mean the words that are accused against you, the ones that are untrue. Because who knows the words that come against me that aren't true? They don't mess me up. It's the stuff that really is true. That's the stuff that gets me. But because he's given me his righteousness, even the stuff that is true. Devil, I'm not listening to your stuff. I'm going to go and stand on the rock. His name is Jesus. He died for every one of my sins. And because of that, I am ready to encounter the presence of God. You've got to stand on the rock. I love it goes on to say that if you stand on the rock, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. Just if the keyboarder could come. But I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. I think it's Ephesians. I can't remember if it's Ephesians or Philippians. But it talks about the fact that we are hidden in Christ. I always try and think about, well, how do you get hidden? Like I'm a visual person. You know, I'm like how, do you, like, how do I get hidden? The reality is it's not my job to get hidden. It's my job to stand on what Christ says about me. See, God God says to Moses, Moses, your job, you by faith stand on the rock. If you stand on the rock, I'll put my hand around you and I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock. See, in other words, if you're standing on what Christ has said, then you are hidden in Christ. And when God the Father looks at you, all he sees is Christ's perfection. And now you're worthy to encounter his presence. Last point. Two simple keys to encounter His presence. first one is you've got to stand on the rock. The second thing is found in verse 18. It's the title of this message. And He said, please show me your glory. The second thing that caused Moses to have this radical encounter, and it's, if I'd be really honest with you, because you know you can live your whole life and go to heaven and never really have had a radical encounter with God and still go to heaven. And this point here right now is the biggest reason why many people live their whole life and never really encounter His presence in a full-on way. Because the second thing is you simply need to desire it. You need to be hungry for it. It sort of sounds like I'm contradicting myself because over here I said, the only thing that qualifies you To encounter His presence is what Christ did. Being hungry doesn't qualify you. It just positions you. Just like there were some people that were here this morning and when they heard me say what I was going to do tonight, they had a moment and they thought, you know what, I really need to be there tonight. But for whatever reason, they made a decision to watch something on television. God still loves them exactly the same as He loves every person in this room. But who knows the ones that decided to come back a better position to encounter God's presence than the one that chose to stay at home. So it doesn't qualify you to be hungry, but it positions you. A couple of stories and then we're going to pray. I love that Moses, you've got to understand, see Moses in the Old Testament, he was one of the only Old Testament characters that had what you and I get to have today. He had relationship with God. 
He got to talk to God as a friend. But then Moses came to this place in his life where he's almost saying, God, I'm so thankful that I get to be your friend. Please don't be upset, God. But I want more. I want to see who you are. I want you to show me your glory. I want to know who it is that you are. He said, show me your glory. See, it's our hunger that attracts his presence. You know, there's a story in the Bible of blind Bartimaeus. And I want you to imagine that Jesus, it was school holidays and Jesus was at Knox. Is it called Knox City? And it was school holidays, so it was packed. It was at the food court. And Jesus was down one end. And Bartimaeus, he was way down the other end. And Bartimaeus hears Jesus is down the other end of the food court. And the Bible says he's been blind since birth. He stands up and he screams across the food court. Obviously, this was in Jerusalem, okay? We're just putting it in today's terms, but it's a real story in the Bible, just in case you're wondering. And he stands up and he shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says that they all told him to be quiet. You know who was that told him to be quiet? The religious. Because when you start to get hungry and passionate for the presence of God, it'll be the religious that tell you to calm down. Because your passion is exposing their lack of passion that they once had, but they've let die. But it's probably my favorite text in the Bible as they told him to be quiet. It says, but he shouted all the more. He got a little louder. Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And the Bible says, the Bible says that Jesus turned. The fact that he turned, what it tells me is that Bartimaeus was not on Jesus' to-do list that morning. Jesus was going somewhere else. But something caused the Son of God to turn from where he was going. Something pulled the Son of God. It was Bartimaeus' hunger and faith that attracted the person of Christ. And I love that when he gets to Bartimaeus, everybody knows what Bartimaeus wants. He's been blind since birth. Jesus is known for healing the sick and the blind. But Jesus gets to him. His hunger pulls him and Jesus gets to Bartimaeus. He says, Bartimaeus, what do you want? You know what he's really saying? What name do you need me to proclaim? Because I'm the great I am. And whatever you need me to proclaim, I can be. And he says, well, I want to see. He says, your faith and, hung, and expectation has made you well. And he was healed in that moment. You know, two stories. And then we're going to pray. This is a bit of a sort of high school illustration, but you'll, you'll get the point. Let's just say again, it's school holidays and you're a young person and you were sort of thinking about hanging out with one of your friends. And so you ring up that friend, that first friend, and you're like, hey, oh, I was just really bored and thinking about coming to hang out. And they're like, oh, what, serious? What, today? Oh, okay. Um, look, I'm, I'm pretty busy. I've got a lot to do. 
I've got other friends that I want to go and see. And like if, if you need to come, just, just come for like half an hour, but then you, know, then you need to, to, to go off and do something else. And, and then you ring another friend. And you ring up and he's like, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm seriously, I'm so bored. And just wondering if you want to hang out. And they're like, what, today? What, that'll be awesome. You should come now. Hang on, no, wait. I'm going to go and get movies. I'm getting food. Do you want to stay the night? And you hang up the phone and it's not hard to work out which friend you're going to go and hang out with. You know, sometimes in a meeting just like tonight, God sees those two people. If you want, like, I, I don't need you to touch, like, you know, if you want it, like. And then he sees someone else on the inside. God, if you would speak one word, if you would speak a sentence about my future, God, if I could feel your presence just for a moment. Now, God loves both people exactly the same. But guess whose house he's visiting? Last story. Because I've got to bring balance. It's probably one of my favorite revelations that God gave me. Acts chapter 2. It's the scripture that when they call it the day of Pentecost. It's the first time the Holy Ghost came to the earth in fullness. And it says this, they were all together. And suddenly, like the sound of a violent rushing wind. God turned up. And you know, we're called a Pentecostal church. We're a part of a movement, the AOG or the ACC, and we're Pentecostals. And our expression is different to many other denominations. And our expression really comes from this moment in Acts chapter chapter 2. And we would say that we're a little louder, we're a little bit more expressive. And that when God, Holy Ghost came the first time, it wasn't like a meditation service. Suddenly, like the sound of a violent rushing wind. He turned up and touched every person. They began to speak in tongues. And I remember God speaking to me and said, Lucas, let me tell you the real reason why Holy Spirit came in such a almost ferocious manner. So you've got to understand that the Godhead is a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, but three distinct persons with three distinct roles. God the Father, He was the one that spoke the world into being. Let there be light. There was light. Let there be earth and water. There was earth and water. He created man. Where is He today? He's sitting on the throne in heaven. And then there would be Jesus, who was the living Word of God. But Jesus knew His distinct role, that He would one day come to earth, live as a man, be born of a woman, but also born of God. Fully God and fully man at the same time. He would live a perfectly sin-free life, never sinned once. He allowed humanity to nail Him to a cross. He died a brutal death, dying for our sins. He breathed His last breath. But then Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit knew His distinct role was to be God on earth, the comforter, the counselor, the guide. But for roughly 4,000 years, Holy Spirit in the Old Testament chapter of life, Holy Spirit had to pretty much watch from a distance. He only got to make occasional guest appearances. He was there when David was slinging the stone. He was there when Samson got his strength. He was there when Samuel began to prophesy, but he only got to make occasional guest appearances. He had to watch from heaven. The young girl that felt like she just didn't look a certain way 
felt like she was ugly, so she began to cut herself. And Holy Spirit's in heaven. And he's saying to God the Father, can, can I go? Can I go show her that she's fearfully and wonderfully made? That she's the apple of your eye? Can I go? Can I show her? Can I touch her? Can I heal her? He had to watch the young man that was beating himself up because he's struggling with pornography. Carry shame on the inside. Feeling like he's unworthy. And Holy Spirit saying to God, the Father, can I please, can I go show him that even though he's messed up, he's still the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That he's a son of the Most High God. And that we are His freedom. That we are His dominion. Holy Spirit's like, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? You need to watch the mom crying on her bed because her husband left her for a younger woman. And now she's left with three kids wondering, how will I look after them? How will I raise them? And Holy Spirit's like, God, Father, can I go? Can I go? Can I show her that will be her provision? that we'll look after her, that we'll be the father to her children. Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? For roughly 4,000 years, forgive me for saying this because it sounds sacrilegious, but the Holy Spirit was like the annoying kid in the back of the car. Instead of, are we there? Are we there? It's like, can I go? Can I go? Can I show them? Can I touch them? Can I speak to them? Can I prophesy? Can I heal them? 4,000 years, he's like that. But then eventually Jesus Christ steps up to the plate. He lives a perfectly sin-free life. He allows the devil and humanity to nail him to a cross. And as he breathes his last breath, the devil begins to dance because he's killed the Son of God. But then to the devil's shock, Jesus, once he is dead, the Bible says he went down to the middle of the earth. He went into hell. He walked into the devil's office. He gave him a roundhouse kick to the head. It's in the Amplified Bible. You got to read between the lines, people. And the Bible says that when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave the devil the keys to death and hate. But really it was the keys to relationship with God. Because of sin, they were now disqualified and the devil had taken those keys when he convinced them to eat the apple. And and Jesus Christ, now that He's paid the price for all mankind's sin, He walks in the devil's office and He says, Devil, I'm taking these keys back. And He hangs around the earth for about 40 days. He eventually ascends to heaven. They watch Him leave. And for 4,000 years, Holy Spirit has been, Can I go? Can I touch them? Can I heal them? Can I prophesy? Can I comfort? Can I counsel? And he's like, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And he's there going, can I go? Can I go? Now Jesus Christ walks into the gates of heaven, but now he is resurrected. Now he's paid the price for humanity's sin. Now he's holding the keys. And Holy Spirit's like, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And then Jesus walks in and he's holding the keys. And he looks at Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead, and he says, Holy Spirit, now you can go. And suddenly, like the sound of a violent rushing wind, a God that had been waiting 4,000 years to be with you. See, I've got to bring balance because without a doubt, it's your hunger that attracts His presence. But don't ever think, that you're more hungry to be with Him than He is to be with you. 
He's so hungry to be with you. Father sent Jesus to die a brutal death so that he could be your comforter, your counselor. In just a moment, we're going to worship, but I feel like God's going to do miracles in this place. And I want to just pray for some people. I want to, can I pray for you? I don't want to embarrass you or anything. The lady with the glasses, would you, would you mind standing up? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.